Big Finish production. This is the Big Finish podcast, official release date, Monday the 20th of November 2017. Cunic and Benji. Hello, Benji Clifford reporting in for duty. And I'm joined here by Field Marshal Nick Briggs. Yes, good day to you. Yes, good day to you too, old boy. Yes. And uh, we at Big Finish are the proud purveyors of the finest audio drama known to humans. That's Doctor Who, Torchwood, Dark Shadows, Blake Seven, yes. The Avengers, uh, The Prisoner, Boys. Survivors. Boys. Goodness me, there's seriously a lot there. Jolly good. Yes, in a moment, the big finish news headlines. And um, Benji and I are also wondering whether either of us are going to mention this. But the fact is, this is like deja vu for us because we've already recorded this podcast. All this is the second time now. I made a technical error. It's like the days of, you know, Quatermass, where the only way they could get a repeat was to act it out all over again. And that's what we're doing. We are acting out this podcast for the second time. It's blooming weird. And the beauty of it is, is what one would assume that uh, by, by acting it out twice, the quality of the podcast shall improve. <laughs> However, that will not be the case. It will officially be getting worse. But since you won't have heard the original version... <laughs> you can't compare um, it. Yeah, you see? Ha-ha, we win. <laughs> but coming up later, we have another packed podcast of mayhem, nonsense, and rather juicy bits. Uh, what am I talking about? Uh, well, uh, listeners' emails, our guest star interview, the randomoid selectatron, oh yeah, a roundup of our latest releases, and a 15-minute drama tease. That's what I'm talking about. And our guest star interview is something a little bit new this week as we go oh, behind the scenes. From... Is it new? Well, it's, <laughs> Never... it's not new to me, but um, <laughs> something a little bit old to me, but new to you. Um, <laughs> we go behind the scenes for a very exciting Doctor Who short trips release, and that stars Sean Carlson as their sneaky Time Lord CIA agent Narvin in a story by former... Big Finish producer Gary Russell. Mm. So Short Chips producer Ian Atkins was uh, at the studio and has sent us a superb interview with Gary and Sean. Mostly Gary, uh, to be honest. Uh, And there are some great behind-the-scenes glimpses. Yes. Uh, The story is called Erasure. Um, because uh, Gary has to name everything he does after uh, one of his favourite albums or groups or songs or something. If you uh, you must know, if you've ever seen, heard, whatever, any of Gary's work, go through it, have a look. It will be named after usually some band from the 80s, you know, or an album. Somebody should try and go through, get, get each one and make a Spotify playlist. Yeah. Now there's an idea. Yeah, I bet Gary's already done it, actually. It's <laughs> just his playlist. <laughs> Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, yes, Erasure will be released in June 2018. Uh, don't miss the fascinating insight into the creation of the ever-popular Gallifrey series in our guest star spot this week. And our 15-minute drama tease is from The Morton Legacy, this month's Doctor Who early adventure. 
featuring the second Doctor and starring Fraser Hine. Or, well, it's Fraser Hines, but it's written on my script here. <laughs> Fraser Hine. We made that joke last time. Uh, <laughs> Fraser Hines uh, and uh, Annika Wills, uh, not written down as Annika Will. Uh, also featuring Elliot Chapman, who has literally just tweeted me right now. Is saying, he really? Yeah, saying, beep, beep, beep. All technology hated me. Beep, beep, beep. A nice little reference to the young ones there. Oh, I see. Yes, well, he did a very amusing tweet uh, the other day. What was it today? I can't remember. Uh, saying his name really was featuring Elliot Chapman. And that the name featuring had been in his family for many years. Oh, I, <laughs> I like that. I like oh, that. That is almost as funny as it was last time. Uh, me and Elliot, we've got a cool little Twitter thing going on at the moment. We've been doing it now for probably about over a month. And we basically... In um, like every morning, one of us will message the other person and just give a link to, to what we're listening to. But it's really cool because like you, you, we end up kind of where we say, oh, yeah, we'll either be like, oh, that's a great album. I love that album. Or it, you're discovering new music. So I thoroughly recommend find yourselves yeah. a music buddy. And it's start. almost like I never heard you say that before. <laughs> I know. We, that's it. It's, it's, like, it's like telling Isn't it really. It's amazing how much we're remembering of what we did before. Even the bits we just added in off the cuff. It's like it's like you basically you get to tell stories that you've already told, and then you get to react as though you've never heard it before, and act just as excited as. It. And I have to sound just as passionate about the same stories, and you'll ne- you'll never guess you'll never guess what happens next, Nick. Right? You're gonna just you know you're gonna your mind's gonna blow. <laughs> oh, dear. It's, it's a kind of insanity it does remind me and this is entirely new for this version of the podcast it does remind me of an act i saw once on stage it was the support act for omid jalili and uh you know yes you know the chap he's very very funny and um this guy and he seemed really mediocre and i thought oh this is all a bit awful and he was at a guitar and he was you know and he was just going through <laughs> stuff and then someone came in uh, about 15 minutes late and sat in the front row and he went oh oh well you've you've missed it you've missed 15 minutes worth and everyone sort of laughed a bit he went oh well hold on, let me let me just go through what you've missed and then he did the same mediocre material oh, almost worth it. no 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 but the thing is he did this on purpose because him doing it again was funny because he went oh yeah and then i and then someone over there said what did you say and uh, and then it became hilarious and it was <laughs> i think it was planned it because, must yeah, have been suddenly the second time round it became funny that he was he was being so precise about the rubbish he'd done before oh that <laughs> must that yeah it must have been the act it must have been must have. i think the person who came in late was a a stooge a plant hmm mm. yes yes well this this Some second <laughs> A triffid. Um, you know, this podcast <laughs> definitely isn't a stooge or, or, or a ruse or a, a plant of some kind. This is the, the real deal. And uh, also in this podcast, for the second time now, it is the final <laughs> instalment of Nick's My Big Finished Life. That's right, that's Nick's Big Finished Life, not My Big Finished Life. That's Nick's My Big Finished Life. Nobody's nicked My Big Finished Life. Um, but I'll just explain, Nick, just explain what's going uh, on. Well, you know, I, I, I decided, because I had a particularly interesting, so I thought, uh, and exciting uh, five to seven days ahead of me, I thought, do you know what? I could give people an insight into what goes on in Big Finish because I was going to do a prisoner thing and Doctor Who and everything. I thought, yeah, there's a lot going on. That's what I thought. That's what I did. And now people tell me that it's dull. 
it's not dull. It's it's it's, a, it, it's I'm, excruciatingly dull. Well, somebody said to me, they said, "Oh, why don't you do your your big finished life?" And I said, oh, "It would just be it, that really would be dreadful because because I spend you know I work from home, I work in this room, and it'll just get to the it's point a very where nice room. it yeah, is a very well. It's, it's coming on. Do you like this bit of wall? You can't see it. There's a bit of wallpaper behind me, which oh, is just peeling off. Which is peeling off because uh, I'm getting some work done in here. It's all it's all going to be worked on soon, and so I'm just preparing it. You see." Calm down. But uh, I thought, you know, it'll be basically the most exciting thing will be me going, yes, and I'm, uh, I'm taking the bins out now. Ooh, look at that. There's a bit of drizzle out here today. <laughs> Wasn't there yesterday. <laughs> that'll, be, that'll be my big finished life. Uh, That'd be good. Yeah, uh, yeah why not? But that that's all I can say about. I mean, I think uh, in the, our previous recording, I mentioned this at another point, but I might as well mention it now. I am going to put it in. Uh, I think I, I do mention it later. Actually, I am going to put the whole of my big finish life in its own podcast, available separately as a ten-hour epic, <laughs> <laughs> an omnibus. That <laughs> so you should do it in real time. You know, a week. And people. People will feel like they've been run over by this omnibus. People are going to love it, Nick. People are going to love it. And they're also going to love what comes up at the end of the podcast, which is the first part of a bonus Dark Shadows feature with producers David Darlington and Joe Lidster. And they're talking to the cast about the series. So at last, here's the blooming news. Patsy Kensett heads a stellar cast for the first of Big Finish's 2018 Doctor Who main range releases, Kingdom of Lies. Patsy Kensett will start alongside Peter Davison's Fifth Doctor and will cross swords, brackets, or lasers uh. with, his, uh, with his companions <laughs> Tegan, Nyssa, and Adric. And whilst the identity of Patsy's character is being kept under wraps, director Barnaby Edwards gives us a hint. He says, I can tell you three things. She's sassy, she's deadly, and she's partly cybernetic. Mm. As all the best things are. Here's the trailer. <laughs> Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. Who was that strange individual you were talking to just now? He's called the Doctor. He's the man my idiot husband hired to kill me. Of course it's him, the most feared assassin in the sector, and you've had him thrown in the cells. When the time comes to point that gun and to pull the trigger, can we be sure you won't hesitate? When I have the Duchess in my sights, I won't hesitate to live up to my reputation. Oh, in the name of the Duchess Miranda, and surrender immediately. Or else what? We are from the Grand Order of Alzarius. And as the Scorpion is contracted to deal with the Duchess, so are we contracted to deal with the Scorpion. What should I do with this gun now? Just point it out the window. Your Grace, it's her. I can see her clearly. Fire, I tell you, fire! Doctor Who, Kingdom of Lies. Doctor! Your time is up. Coming to get you, ready or not. Big Finish. We love stories. Like it. Released in January 2018, Kingdom of Lies marks the return of the Doctor's Fab Four. 
the fifth doctor adric nissa and tegan yeah they are the fab four uh they were last seen together in march's 20 march 2017's release zaltis uh, by Matthew J. Elliott, actually. Uh, the classic 1982 TARDIS team was first reunited by Big Finish for a fifth Doctor box set way back in August 2014. I don't know whether you remember that, or have indeed got it. Here's a reminder of that rather lovely release. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who, the fifth Doctor box set, Psychodrome. He's not your Doctor anymore. Your Doctor died, remember? We shouldn't be here. Something terrible's going to happen. When we first landed here, it was before the dawn. We sent out a survey team, and they didn't come back. When it came light, we sent out a second team, which discovered their bodies. I have brought death into your lives. I have caused you suffering. Just how many lives has the Doctor saved? Trillions! The Doctor prevented the heat death of the universe! You've all faced your fears. It's time I faced mine. Iterations of I. Something's happened on that island. It's an evil place. Bad things happen there. Even the doctor wouldn't bring us to a haunted house. Are those graves? Well, that's disturbing. There's hatred here, Tegan. Doctor! No! Subscribers get more at bigfinish.com. The time really does fly, doesn't it? I remember when that was like big news, and it only feels like a couple of years ago. Well, it was a couple yeah. of years ago. It only feels like the actual length it was. Uh, <laughs> doesn't it feel as long as that for me? Mm, well, you know, sirens of time. Uh, you know, our 99p sale that's on at the moment. Oh man, yeah, the 99p um, sale. Well, the the clip, the audio clip on the video is of Sirens of Time, and hearing that again was like it seemed like oh yeah, that's quite recent. I thought goodness me, it's nearly twenty years ago. It's crazy, absolutely crazy. Time does literally fly. Uh, and next up in the news, flying on to the next category here, literally, uh, the Torchwood monthly range returns. That's right, starting in March 2018, the Torchwood Monthly Range. <laughs> I suddenly realised I had to keep speaking, but my mouth wasn't to wear. Oh, bad enough. The Torchwood Monthly Range kicks off with the return of Captain John Hart in The Death of Captain Jack and gets even bigger and better from there. There are five new tales from the world of Torchwood, including The Last Beacon by Gareth David Lloyd, in which Owen Harper, Bern Gorman, and Yanto Jones, Gareth David Lloyd, try and save the world from an alien battle fleet while camping. Uh, Gareth told us more about writing for the Torchwood Monthly Range. He said, uh, I've had a great fun doing it, especially being able to put my own take on the actual words Yanto says rather than just how he says them. I've loved the material and the subject matter of those scripts. I enjoy as well because they're all topics set close to my heart. Kicking off in March, the Torchwood Monthly Range starts with... 19. The Death of Captain Jack by David Llewellyn, out in March 2018. Looking and forward to this gag coming that. up. <laughs> yeah, and after this trailer, there's a great gag. Mm. The prisoner is dying. He's been saying that for years. But we believe he has only a few hours remaining. Good. That should give me plenty of time. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions, Torchwood, The Death of Captain Jack. Identify yourself! Captain John Hart. And I believe the words you're looking for are, thank you, Captain John, for saving us from the nasty alien, but you're welcome. 
John. You look surprised, Jack. It must have been. A hundred and thirty years. My letters. Just a garden variety time sprite, Your Majesty. Doesn't belong on Earth and definitely doesn't belong in the year 1785. They tell me you're dying. <laughs> Looks that way. <sighs> Had to see it with my own eyes. No! John, don't! And I wanted to tell you a story. About what? The life you didn't have, Jack. The life I stole from you. I came here to tell you about Torchwood. Big finish. We love stories and puppies, but mostly stories. Darling? Yes, your majesty. Oh, I love it when you call me that. Open fire. With pleasure. Other stories coming up from Torchwood, 20 down from 13. The Last Beacon by Gareth David Lloyd out in April 2018. I better explain that the gag is that this is like the top 20 in the old pop pickers. Up from 27 to 21, We Always Get Out Alive by Guy Adams out in May 2018. Down from 13 again. Just making numbers up randomly. 22, Goodbye Piccadilly by James Goss out in June 2018. And a smash hit straight in from nowhere at 23, TBA. (laughs) (laughs) Come up with a title. Buck up, James Goss. Oh, hold on. Didn't Sue Cowley text you? Or email us yes, about she the use did. of buck up. She we didn't did. mention this last time. T- tell us. It's because it happened literally just uh, as, as we, we finished we recording. Finished recording, yes. Um, yeah, Sue See, Cowley. It was who, all worthwhile just to get this in. It was. Perhaps that was the plan all along. <laughs> Sue Cowley, who works in the office and, and pretty much does everything. She's she's, she's the general mangler. Yes. General mangler and all round superwoman. Um, she sent me this great uh, link to the uh, Collins Dictionary. And it's basically, uh, it's got a little graph on it that shows the use uh, of the phrase or uh, buck up. Buck up! And so you can see, and one thing I really love here especially is that it's a fairly standard graph of, you know, down one year, up the next. But my favourite one is that in 1975, the graph literally like plummets that no but no uses of, of it in 1975 wow whatever reco- sure my mother said it to me in 1975 <laughs> but it's i mean nick have you seen the graph have a look at no, you, can you see that on the oh yeah yeah you can see that it's crazy wow where's the highest amount of use uh the highest uh was about 19 looks about 1960 oh yeah cause it's very old-fashioned isn't it and it's sort of at the moment it's kind of kind of steadily in the middle so what we say let's is let's get that graph up let's get it up let's get the numbers up can we match or improve on 1960 oh, i jolly well hope so so well my son keeps saying it and he's eight you know so hopefully he's getting all his mates to say it this is it we, we can start we can start a revolution here it's, it's the, the world's most mundane revolution but a revolution nevertheless it says here Nick's reconnecting, which could possibly mean... Oh, no, he's back. Nick's back. <laughs> I thought, that's the next thing that's going to go wrong today. The internet's going to fail. The internet says, I've had enough. I'm going home. And in between <laughs> the podcast, I had scaffolders removing some scaffolding. So it's all going, oh, isn't yes. it? Yes. 
Oh, but thank goodness that's all stopped. Because yeah. you said, what if that had happened during the podcast? Luckily. Suddenly a bulldozer comes through the wall behind you. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh. oh, no. Could, could you wait five minutes before demolishing me house? <laughs> I'd, I'd like to just do me podcast. Uh, right, so anyway, continuing the news. Because, oh, yes, uh, 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 number 24. Uh, <laughs> down from... Three, Deadbeat Escape by James Goss, out in August 2018. All flippin' exciting, I say. And finally in the news, the Tenth Doctor Volume 2 box set will be out this week. What? I know. Starring, of course, David Tennant and Billy Piper. It's perhaps our most anticipated release of the year. Here's a cup of teas. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who. We interrupt your regular programmes for a word from our sponsor. Hello, this is the Doctor. The Tenth Doctor Adventures, Volume 2. Rose! Thought you'd show your face, did you? No, you seem to be doing all right. Ah, it's no good. Come on, we've got to go. What is it? I saw a ship. A ship? What sort of ship? Oh, come on. Come on! I knew it! One chance! That's all Rose Tyler ever needs. Come on, before there's no stopping them. No stopping what? The Ice Warriors. Now you beg. Now there are no ultimatums. Cold Star is under attack from Ice Warriors. You need to contact the planet below. Evacuate! Oh, oh, guns pointing the wrong way. I'm Rose Tyler. And the thing about us Tylers, we won't lie down when we're beaten. I'm Rose Tyler. He's the doctor. One question. What the hell's going on? Big finish. We love stories. <laughs> yes, I think that, you know, we're we're just going even more mad with it this time you know have you ever seen Groundhog Day I have indeed I love that yeah, film where Bill, Bill Murray he's doing this thing isn't he where he's just sort of he wants to get through it to get to the good bit and he's just all sort of manic going and then, and then, and then I give you a kiss and, and she's like what is, what's the matter with you You know, and that's what we're being like now is that the end of the news Benji uh, well apart from a reminder that uh, Big Finish Day will be happening at the Quad in Derby uh, on Saturday the 3rd of November 2018. Uh, for those of you who don't know um, what Big Finish Day is, it's a big day where we get together, we have guests, we have panels, sometimes we have workshops, uh, we have lots of things on sale. And it's basically, it's like, a, it's like a sort of festival to celebrate all things Big Finish. And it's not just Doctor Who, it's all different ranges in the, the Big Finish family. So, um, and the other thing, of course, is that you're, you're there surrounded by like-minded people that listen to Big Finish so it's a little bit out of the ordinary in terms of you know, everybody's into the same stuff so so it's well worth going to that's what I say that's what I say apparently didn't you say that last time? I think I did <laughs> yes I did I explained it even better last time I believe no no I thought that was better this time oh did you think uh, it was yes we could comp- keep comparing <laughs> Yes, it was much more concise that time, I must admit. Well, we um, could be like some old age pensioner when they're when they're interviewed, you know, on live programmes. So that there are various examples of this where obviously the interviewer's gone through them gone through with it through it with them before. And then when they start asking them the questions on camera, they go, I- I've already told you that, dear. Go, yeah. Well, I know, but could you 
That happened with my son. I do an interview with him every year, you know, as a sort of archive of record of where he is in his life. And I said, so uh, what's, your, what's your full name? And he went, you don't know my name. I, go, yeah, I, I do know your name, Ben. But he knew. He was just playing with me, this so-and-so. So what age are you? You don't know anything about me, do you? He said. So you're only doing this for your own benefit. <laughs> I'm doing it to embarrass whoever you bring home to impress when you're 18. It's supposed to be, hi, uh, yeah, Ben Briggs, 57. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't go to school anymore. <laughs> Why do you always ask me what year I'm in? Uh, by the time he's 57, I will be long dead, which is a rather sad thought, actually. I don't know, no, I'm quite... At ease with that now. Anyway, brilliant. That was a, a real change in. <laughs> anyway, brilliant. Um, yeah. So yes, yes. Uh, as as the news yeah, goes, I'm going to be dead. Brilliant. And with that, we are digging outside where the news of this week will be laid to rest. But fear not, <laughs> there will be more news next week. Where I believe we're we're somewhere completely different, aren't we? Ne- next week. Oh yeah, good point. We didn't mention that before. We're going to Chicago Tardis. We are. We're rocking it over to Chicago to do a live podcast. So so be ready for that madness. Yeah, when we say live, we'll record it on stage. We won't edit it, and I'll just put it straight out with no music or anything. It'll be utter mayhem. It'll be utter mayhem. It'll be bland. It'll be one. It'll be. <laughs> it won't be worth listening to. In fact, skip it. Skip a week. Have a week off. No, don't. You'll be missing out on lots of fun. Okay then. Right. Well, it's time then. Let's uh, fast forward then uh, to the last instalment of my big finish. Life, not get my. Get on with it. Not, not get on with it. Not my big finished life. It's Nick's one. Yes, mercifully, it is all coming to an end this week. Nick's Phew. week and a bit of fly on the wall microphone in the pocket style nonsense will finally be over, and it's the last two days with Nick in the studio with the Seventh Doctor. <gasps> So we rejoin the action on the first day, Monday, of the recording of a Seventh Doctor story entitled Red Planets, featuring naturally Sylvester McCoy, Bonnie Langford and Sophie Aldred. In the last instalment, Bonnie and Sophie arrived and now the arrival of Sylvester McCoy. Hello. 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 How are you doing? Good to see you. Yeah. You're on. I'm on. And Bonnie, you're on too. Please. Yes, we're, we're now. Uh, well done. Everything's well done, good. So well done. I'm just going to have a very fast. Okay, I'll take the edge. This way. I wouldn't be here. So. And it's quite a chaotic, busy day at Soundhouse Studios. Yeah, it was fine, really. And you? Yeah, yeah, it was fine. I lost Katie, though. Oh, we always try to. Yes. <laughs> Completely bananas. Yeah. She lost her ticket. Oh, she had it in her hand. And she was looking everywhere with it in her hand. What is this? Doing sad. After you After you into the studio and introductions to sound engineer Leon Chambers. Leon. Hello there. Hello, Hello Leon. Leon. Hi. Sylvester and Bonnie. Good to meet you, Jessica. Where do you want to put them? Um, well, you can deal, that, deal with that, can't you? Wherever they like to be. 
seat that we're going to be used. It's, it's there for your, um, it's for your stuff coaches. to go on. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's fine. <laughs> we, have, we, we hired it especially. Especially for yes. stuff. Yeah. It's a coat rack. Are there the means of writing in there? Almost went everywhere. Don't panic, Miss. Don't panic. Don't panic. Don't panic, Mr. Battering. So, so I'm going to take a couple of snaps in here while you're just getting ready, if that's all right. Hello, Rosalind. Yes. Lovely. You always have a problem using someone's cup with a name on it that isn't mine. It always feels wrong for some reason. Rosalind, who? Pike. She's nice. Yeah, that's Rosamond, isn't it? Rosamond. Yes, that's true, yes, fine. Uh, where do you want to, darling? Um, well, let's have you opposite each other. Um, so have one over that side and one over this side. Show me over there? Yeah, you can uh, choose where you want to be. Should I go here? Because then you yeah, then I can adjust. too much. Yeah, I can adjust that. And no you can... Listen, we all bring the... I just got a cobweb in that corner. Ew! <laughs> I'll pass that on to the cleaners. Oh, yes. <laughs> I've noticed the cleaners are all quite short. Hang on a second, I just want to check something. I'm doing some sort of strange secret photo. No, it looks very artistic, you, darling. Don't show who you are, so we can say, guess who's in the studio. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that one. That old that chestnut. There's no way that one's it's in focus. Like it's a bit like Christmas for that one. <laughs> yes. Isn't it? <laughs> showing the corner of the person. Are we starting at the very beginning, as Julie Andrews might say? Um, oh, do you know what? As far as I know, I think. Glasses we'll, outside. I we'll must we'll get them. Grab I'll grab my glasses. Where are they? Do you need? Them? Just here. All right. Just literally here. I bought my handbag. Yes, it's yeah. because I try and ignore the fact that I actually need glasses. I'm actually at that point. I'm oh. somewhere between. Oh. Actually, it's when it gets. Let's get right. cracking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm 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 yeah, it's all right. Okay. But, um, what was it like, the late? I mean, was it? Scary? It was easy. It was very easy. Yeah. The only problem was the prospect was... that it could go horribly wrong, mm. which was what worries me. Uh, but then, well, well, you know, they do one at a time. So if one goes wrong, you just end up walking in circles. <laughs> okay. Just, you know, but I, 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 I had mine done, and uh, they, they injected me with something to calm me down. Although I was quite calm, I wasn't really worried. But it was in the shopping mall, at Shepherd's Bush. Westfield. Yeah, in there somewhere there's a hospital thing. Anyway. There's a great end to that story involving Sylvester under the influence of some form of anaesthetic ending up buying brightly coloured luggage. But I stopped recording at that point on the grounds that I'd heard the story before. <laughs> anyway, the morning's recording went so well it led to an early lunch break. Early lunch, what do you think? Yes, uh, early lunch by four minutes. I think it's disgraceful. <laughs> It's more, no, it's more than four minutes. Is it? Uh, no, no. Eight. Oh, was it eight minutes? Oh, sorry, I'm 52. Oh, yes, eight minutes. Early lunch, eight minutes early. That's a disgrace. <laughs> Take two yes. of Sylvester being appalled. <laughs> Thanks, you, darling. You can actually leave now if you want, can't you? I know. Yes. Thank you, I may leave. 
and never return. Oh no, you oh, must return. Back tomorrow. Show my dark face. What time are you in tomorrow? Ten. Ten. Yeah, it's she's in all day tomorrow. All day. All day. Oh all my day. God. Is you vibrating, sure Nick? Is it that. me vibrating? Something. Something really? is vibrating. Oh my God, it's phoning me. It's like I'm important or something. That <clears throat> was Jason. Hello. How are you feeling? Yeah, you d you sound ill still. So we'll leave Jason Hegelary's flu to the realms of the confidential. And then it's that time of day when I sit down with Sylvester to do the behind-the-scenes interview and we move into a little post-production studio that the Soundhouse kindly let us use for interviews. Oh, no, they're, they're, oh, they're there. I knew they were at this wall somewhere. Come inside, love. <laughs> wow. Here we How are. How lovely that you've been available because you're all over the world all the time. Indeed I am. It's my own fault. I keep saying yes. Because I could always say yes to everything. Well. <laughs> that floored you. <laughs> I was just trying to think of something outrageous to ask you you were going to say yes to. When did I last see you? I can't remember now. Was it in at an American convention or something? Baltimore? It might have been. Yes, yeah, I was in Baltimore with my chicken. Yes, promoting your... Joke. A joke. Joke. I play about an Englishman, an Irishman, a Scotsman in a Bacchettian setting. Ah, yes. Right. And so... That was Monday. On to Tuesday now, and I arrive at the Soundhouse again, only to find that my hero, seriously, and legendary genius of the audio world, producer, writer and sound designer Dirk Mags is there. He's such a lovely guy. Naturally, I'm keen to get him involved in my Big Finish life. Uh, do, they, do they need to uh, be, be broadcastable? Well, on a podcast. Oh, sorry, have I ruined it? Oh, you ruined it? Yeah, yeah. So what day is it today? It's, it's Tuesday. Tuesday, the uh, 3rd of October. Yeah. yeah. And what, what are we talking about? You, you live? Yeah. You. Of course, this, is, this is Dirk Maggs, who happens to be at the Soundhouse as well. I think Nicholas Briggs is a terrific chap, because not only is he a really good actor, but he's also a superb producer of audio. And this is a dying breed of person and he's good looking and he's got dancers legs <laughs> now I know that's all rubbish <laughs> thanks Dirk uh, Dirk's my hero he's my inspiration it's true actually oh, oh, I forgot I haven't sent you the check yet this month <laughs> <laughs> the continual bribery yes. thank you Fred thank you Dirk what are you doing here today by the way finishing off this Neil Gaiman before we go home and panic before the onset of you know what next week you know what <coughs> can't mention it it's a secret nothing to do with big finish it's fine oh Phil thanks bye day two of red planets it is day two of red planets it's very difficult for me to say something that's not rude Nick thank you Jamie uh, but no it's, go it's going very well and everyone's behaving said Jamie looking worried <laughs> 
he might be right there. Starring Dirk Mags as the narrator. Nick, meanwhile, was hoping perhaps the day would be shorter. He'd spent so long yesterday, he'd done his entire tax return for the last three years. <laughs> Luckily, my wife does that. <laughs> yes, actually, me too. Business manager at home. And there goes Dirk, vanishing into the crowd. It's a very, very busy green room today. You probably can't pick out the words, but there's Brian Blessed in the background. You'd imagine that that would be a lot of shouting, but anyway, he's not in our production, obviously. But, uh, he is here, but that's it's mainly mainly Jamie Anderson you can hear speaking, actually, I think. Has that been recording? Has it been? It's an amazing story of uh, Brian Blessed pulling a sink off a wall from Bonnie. Oh, wow. Well. Um, All too soon, it's time for the departure of Sophie Aldred. See you soon. Yeah, thank you, my darling. Mm, It's been really lovely to work with you. Likewise. Are we seeing you next week? Next week. Oh, goody. No, no, I'm delighted. No Silver Monday, though, so. Right, okay. Yeah, because he's going to a funeral. Um, And I'm directing. Yeah, I'll be here because I'm producing this range now and I'm um, but I'm hoping to do one in December but I'll talk to you about oh that, yeah so. yes we did talk about that uh, moat hmm? moat the moat next moat, week yes. moat, moat. you said here and I thought oh, oh, yeah, yeah, ah no, 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 no not okay. here no, no but not, I mean don't not. worry we'll send you a million reminders before okay, the day thank you or at least one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm exaggerating one. we get Genevieve. Okay. Because she's in all the last ones. Okay. And then that's it. Right. Easy. Easy. Lemon. Squeezy. The afternoon proceeds really well, all down to the professionalism of director Jamie Anderson, of course. And then my final duty is to do the behind the scenes interview with Bonnie Langford. Yes, oh, are you going now? Sir? Have a nice week. Are you going to He's got to go to the. Off to Berlin. Yeah. 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 I'm off to it, yeah. Be careful. Come to see you. Thanks ever so much. No, no, I'm flying the German oh, one. You know the one that flies into mountains. Lufthansa, that one. okay. Oh, brilliant. No, the other one, you know, the, the one below Lufthansa. But Don't fly, Monarch. You know the yes. There are no planes. There are no planes. Where do you want me, darling? Well, you can sit there if you like. Oh, okay. I was going to sit there, but you know. Well, you sit here if you want. It's a bigger chair. I don't know why I think that that's my chair. Anyway. Well, if you feel happy here, I really come swap. Swap. Oh no! Yes, you're happy. Oh, I feel there. bad. It's there just that this is where I've done all the other interviews. Well, there you go. Stick this and now side. you're taller than me, see, which is good. Okay. Ah, oh, right. Um, so two things. One, I do one little interview for behind the scenes, and then one for our podcast. Okay. One for the podcast is much easier. So, um, just for an introduction, could you say who you are and who you're playing? I'm Bonnie Langford, and I play Melanie Bush. There you go. Thanks for coming. You're welcome. (laughs) Thanks. And there it is, as disorderly and abruptly as it started, the end of this peep into my big Finnish life. I just want to thank all the people who were kind enough to take part. Luckily, virtually none of them will listen to this. And I also just want to pay tribute to everyone who works for Big Finnish. If I started naming you all, the podcast would be at least an hour longer. So listen, you know who you are. You are brilliant. And off we go. All of us continuing with our Big Finish lives. And as I said before, I promise or rather threaten that the entire My Big Finish life will be made available in its own podcast in the Big Finish podcast range. So you can listen to the whole epic thing in one huge indigestible chunk of audio gristle. 
Time now for listeners' emails. Dear, dear listeners, we thank you from the deepest and tenderest parts of our hearts for your splendid emails. I love them. We love them. It's a big loving. Basic. It's a big loving, basically. Uh, <laughs> such comedy. Um, messed that up last time, didn't I? Uh, and remember that all you have to do, yes, you listening at home or in the car or on your way to work, is to email us at podcast at bigfinish.com. Make sure if you are emailing in the car, obviously. I was talking about you. <laughs> I was talking about you listening, you listening at home emailing, but obviously you're in the car. Don't email. There are some horrible, no. horrible statistics about that. Um, but if you want <laughs> to get in touch, uh, podcast at bigfinish.com. That's P O D cast at squiggly a uh, b-i-g finish dot c to the o to the m and as you may know this week nick asked you to request which voice you'd like the emails to be read out in so here's one that had the most obvious choice i'm regretting this <laughs> got your you got your strepsils <laughs> i better read this one out from from jenny shirt hello jenny Hi, Nick and Benji. I would very much like to hear a Dalek read my email. I have loved them since I was very little. I would be completely in awe of it if you read this out in the voice of the Daleks. I would more than likely spontaneously combust with complete excitement and jump up and down if you did. As 46 years later, I still love... Daleks! Please, could I also ask which scene in Doctor Who is your absolute favourite ever seen out of the whole era of the show? Thanks, Jenny Shad! Well, now this is interesting because last time, Nick, you said leave it with me. Um, yes. I, said, I love this. Lo- that nobody else knows this. You said leave it with me because you couldn't think of a scene on the fly. Well, it's been left yeah. with you. Can you think of anything or shall we leave it again? I I I haven't thought about it. It's and like when the waiter go. comes back, <laughs> you know. He said, like, "I still haven't looked in the menu." Sorry. <laughs> well, there we go. I mean, I I think for my I say favourite scene, but the scene that sprung to mind immediately was the uh, the classic Tomb of the Cybermen scene with the Doctor and Victoria talking about his family. I really like that scene. It's yeah, you nice. said that before. I have said I have said that before. <laughs> I so can't resist of, making that comment. Oh, it's just it's just fun every time, isn't it? That's the thing. I think now I think about it. Homo sapien. Oh. Yeah, Homo sapiens is yes, that that amazing speech in Ark in Space oh. when he just stands there. It's such a brave thing to do because you see up until that point Doctor Who had never done anything like that. That kind of grandstanding thing. And they obviously, it was part, partly in the writing, but it's also Tom decided to do it like that. You know, they might have written that for John Pertwee and he would have just gone, Homo oh, sapiens, what an inventive speech. You know, he would have yeah. done it like he was talking to the person, but Tom did it like he was proclaiming it to the sky. That would have been his decision, you know. And the thing we as owe well, him so much for Doctor Who. He's transformed it. And everyone who's come since has done a little bit of that, you know. Well, he is, you know, for, for what of the better word, he sort of Doctor Who is, until the new series came back, I think Doctor Who, Tom Baker is, you know, everybody everybody homed in on that iconic look as well. And Doctor Who with the scarf, you know. It was, oh, mm. yes, I remember the one with the scarf. 
But yeah. I, th- I think with that particular scene, one thing I love about it is the set as well. I mean, I love the Nerva Beacon stuff, but that wonderful set as well. Like not only you know, like when you say he's proclaiming, he's surrounded by that wonderful kind of uh, spherical, um, sorry, cylindrical sort yeah. of uh, set going up, and it's a bit like if you think it's a bit like theatre, isn't it? Almost, he's kind of. It is, yes. Hands it's like an old Elizabethan the... theatre as well, the sort of the layers of it. Getting very intellectual here. It is. Oh, yes, yes. Well, I mean, I think it's like the theatre, you know. Uh, well, now, here's, here's our revenge, because now you have to do a voice. Yes, <clears throat> yes, I do. Uh, so this one here is from uh, John Jack Ryan, uh, who says here, any chance that this can be read out in Benji's Fruit Pastel Doctor voice? Cheers. You better explain. <laughs> Winky smile. Yeah, better explain. Um, so uh, years ago, I did some, uh, I occasionally still do the odd cameo um, of these, they're sort of silly comedy little audios where we all play versions of different doctors, but they're not really those doctors. They've all kind of got their own things. So we've got the sorry doctor who's very sort of breathy and apologetic. Oh, I'm dreadfully sorry. And, um, you know, you've got uh, the pompous doctor, um, as a f- uh, dynamite doctor and stuff. I play the fruit pastel doctor, which is essentially like a, a sort of, it's a bit like the fourth doctor, but he's essentially a serial killing <laughs> maniac who owns his own pub called the Rotten Pastel. Um, the Rotten Pastel. Oh, it's wonderful. And didn't, you didn't say that before. The Rotten Pastel, yes. And it's, <laughs> That's it is best... a horrible image, a Rotten Pastel. It would take a lot for a fruit pastel to rot. Well, it? believe me. It's so it's... full of sugar. Oh, well, the other thing, of course, is that he's, he says stuff like, he says, would you like a fruit pastel? Go on, they're bird's mess flavour. They've always got some hideous thing. This one's got anthrax in it. And, and different things like that. So it's thoroughly uncomfortable listening. What was it? The, the, what was it? Don't look under the pub. That's where the bodies are hidden. <laughs> yeah, so he's, he's essentially a, a madman. So without further ado, I apologise to everybody who has to sit through this uh, awful, but yes, uh, let's do this. Hello, my... L- yes, I, I would. I'd go for a walk. <laughs> God, you didn't even, I didn't even get through hello and you'd already gone. <laughs> Sorry about that. Sorry. Hello, my lovelies. I offer my heartiest thanks and most gracious words at your last three months of content. (laughs) From the prisoner to Captain Scarlet to the Time War to Torchwood every month has been bringing something even more brilliant than the last. Do you know, this is not as good as the last time I did it. I feel pastled out a bit. Um... So my so, sorry. so my heartiest thanks to all involved, and here's to the next bash of brilliance. Uh, as I said, some questions, yes. Uh, number one, uh, as I am now the proud owner of a ticket to the quad for Big Finish Day 2018, brackets, yay, exclamation mark, close <laughs> brackets. Is there any news yet on who's going to be at the event? Uh, no. Uh, B- Benji and I will be there, though. Yes, yes, we will. Um, Jason Ellery. Uh, I'm sure Sue Cowley. Uh, I reckon Emily Dufresne as well, who works for Big Finish. You may, you may have met her at events, folks, if you've ever been to... Oh, yes, Big lovely Finish. lady. She's always there, manning the stools, doing lots of jobs, and often uh, getting us cups of tea delivered. Nick there stopping almost immediately to type something important, you know. <laughs> a look of fury and ferociousness in his eyes. 
As I move on to number two, which is, uh, I've been hearing conflicting news about the War Master and Gallifrey Time War, both being volume one sets. Are, are they the start of bigger journeys, more box sets, or are they solely one-offs? Well, I mean, the clue's in the name, isn't it? There's a number there. If there's a one, surely there's going to be more. Just imagine. <laughs> yes. As we say, you know, it's like a, uh, like a tablecloth. You know, it's all laid out, but it's, uh, it's up to us to lay the utensils. <laughs> yes. That was even better the first time, I must admit. It's not so funny. You end up laughing at your own jokes, but you've already heard them only a few, well, not even a few hours before. <laughs> uh, yes, so as we're approaching the season of hope and goodwill, brackets and more David Bradley than you can shake a Mondasian Cyberman at, uh, has there ever been any thoughts of an adaptation of A Christmas Carol? Maybe with Sir David Warner, brackets, I know he's not a Sir, but Willie Bullywell should be. <laughs> well, hold that thought is what I say about that. That's not a bad idea. Yes, I agree wholeheartedly. I do. Uh, and speaking... Could already be in the works. Yes, in the works. And speaking, yes, of that, Sir David Warner... Can he please be a number two for the next Prisoner volume? Hmm? Make that happen. Make it so. Uh, you know it'll work. Well, uh, I haven't written the scripts yet, and I work out who's going to be the number two based on the way the script is, what the character's like, and um, also who's available. <laughs> the main thing is Mark Elstob's available. And then I, anyone else, you know, they have to be available on that day. Yeah, he once actually, I remember there was a knock at the door and uh, Nick said, oh, thank God, yeah, it was the postman. He said, are you available next Saturday? And so <laughs> number two was actually the postman, wasn't it? It was an incredible sort of thing that. Yeah. You know, and he kept I saying, said, hey, wait a minute, Mr. Postman. <laughs> Did he, way, yay, 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 Mr. Postman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> God, this is like a sort of madness, isn't it? Big Finish would like to apologise for this podcast. <laughs> so they should. So they should. Oh, it's a lovely little sunset out there. Well, oh, it's that time. That time of day, folks. You know what they... I haven't even done the washing. <laughs> oh, this, today's been a washout. <laughs> I've got to make some soup. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Yes, it'll be a, 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 mid, a, a midnight soup at this rate. Uh, <laughs> yes, so anyway, back into the voice, you know. Uh, and finally, number five. Uh, it's got a bracket, but there's no space uh, to the A. <laughs> oh, no! Oh, no. Uh, after watching the, it's a catastrophe. the Daleks documentary, bracket stop, don't move. That way, indeed, leads to death. Uh, and Nick's caption of world's biggest death to the Daleks fan, bracket brilliant. <laughs> Uh, have you and Benji ever considered doing a comedy, uh, doing comedy commentaries uh, where you share anecdotes and jokes slash riffs about classic Doctor Who stories? Many of us would get them in a heartbeat. Uh, no, we don't want to do that. <laughs> no, I think I think you know we're balmy enough. If 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 you sit us in front of that, you know, we, I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes, you know, I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> comedy well, thing. Yeah. yeah it's one of those things that I think you know you don't want to just sit down and, and tear into something because then it's a bit 
bit unfair. We love death to the Daleks, don't Absolutely. we? Absolutely, there's nothing. I, I, I still. I think, wish I could say it. I can't say it. Death to the Daleks. That's right. Death to the death Daleks. to the Daleks. I mean, I, th- I think if we did a, a commentary on something like death to the Daleks, that's that's relevant because we we go on about it all the time. I think, but if we just did like a one of lots of different things, it gets to a point where it'd be like, oh, these guys just kind of sit down and, and riff about take the mick out of it but obviously i don't yeah i love it all you see that's the thing so we we could talk about death to the daleks i mean that's certainly something that that other people have asked for so maybe one day we'll do that one maybe uh in the outer reaches of space but who knows you know who knows uh yes well that's all for now uh so i do hope you gents have a splendid day and as always keep calm and buck up that's from john Jack Ryan. Well, I, I'm lovely and happy now that I can uh, come out of that voice. Uh, yeah. my, my theory is it went on a bit too long there, actually. I think I might need a strep sill. But uh, thank you very much, John, there for, for emailing in. As always, a pleasure, never a chewer. And finally, this from Blake Brown Goldner. Hello, Nick and Benji. I've been listening to your wonderful podcast for about a year. And I expect for you listeners now, it feels like a year since this podcast started. And I have to say, it is the highlight of my week. I am sorry. I accidentally pressed send too early. Here is the whole email. Yeah, that first sentence was the only bit we got. That'd be enough for me. I'd be an odd read that out. Yeah, yeah. Highlight of your week, bro. But then he sent the rest. Uh, I got into Big Finish's Doctor Who in May 2016. I love the audios, maybe even more than the real show, as opposed to ours, which is just pretend. Because the real show, it's like a documentary. That's actually what's happening in time and space. I spend my money on your audio dramas as much as I can, which is not much as I not as much as I want because I am 14 years old. 99p sale. 99p sale. 99p sale. 99p sale. 99p 99p Uh, out of all your ranges of Doctor Who the Diary of Riversong and Doom Coalition are my favourites I'm very much looking forward to Series 3 of Riversong I make my own Doctor Who episodes yeah and I play the Doctor yes come on and And I refer to a lot of the audio adventures in my stories and so you should I do have one question in Night of the Doctor prequel of Day of the Doctor the 8th Doctor regenerates into the War Doctor that's right yeah I remember but in the reflection of a mirror it shows a younger version of John Hurt I wonder where they got that from Uh, and a picture shown below uh, says Blake. Unfortunately, it was just some weird Google link that I couldn't activate. Is it possible to do a Time War series with a younger War Doctor? Thank you, Blake Brown Goldner. Well, Blake, just imagine. Just imagine. I mean, I think out of respect for John Hurt, one mustn't rush into these things. We did love him. He was such a lovely bloke. I, I think yeah, there's that possibility. I mean, Blake's right, isn't he? It's a, and as well, it's a huge, uh, uh, you know... John Hurt's boots are probably some of the the biggest boots one could fill. So, so you, you know, it'd be a very difficult thing, I think, to to carry on, really. But who knows? You know, with time and space, anything is possible. And also, Blake, well done for for doing your own series. It's always good. I always like uh, to to hear people doing their making their own audio dramas and and being creative. And, and me and Nick have both done it. Uh, so Nick was the Doctor. He was in some comics, weren't you? I believe the Doctor Who comics, no less. I two. I was in two comic strips. There we go. Yeah. So the Nick Briggs Doctor. That's audio visuals, wasn't it? 
Yes, yes. Yeah, there we go, you see. Yes, so, yes, 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 mm, yes. Most absorbing. Uh, most <laughs> absorbing. Uh, yeah, so cheers for that one, Blake. Uh, keep keep rocking. Keep up with the good work. Uh, and there are literally loads more emails. In fact, behind me here are just sacks and sacks of them. Uh, it's like <laughs> Father Christmas. Uh, so please do keep them coming. Uh, we've got a lot to get through in this podcast, so we I must do not understand crack it. on. I, I, the Daleks were destroyed. I was there. I saw it happen. <laughs> <laughs> the cakes <laughs> soft centers oh no on the contrary I expected it oh I just love him what is it um... oh, I've just discovered something you might want to say what's it oh, yeah sorry attack we're doing Daleks, the Daleks invasion attack the Daleks this, this Daleks order cannot be countermanded this is Daleks invasion earth 2150 AD oh, I love that film so much I was thinking about that yesterday because for some reason in my head, the music of, you know, when they go to the mine and there's that. We both did the finger. What a film. I tell you, did I, have I ever mentioned this before? The funny thing is when they, when they, when Bernard Cribbins and Jill Curzon, Tom and Louise, uh, first get into the mines in that first scene where they encounter one of the workers and a rober man the worker and the rober man have both been dubbed by the same guy oh god aren't you aware of that it's just he's talking like that to be the the worker and what are you two doing here and all that it's just the same bloke i've it never is noticed the same bloke. that I've no, you don't because it's, it's, you know, that happens a lot in movies, actually. Barnaby Edwards does a lot of dubbing of movies. And there's one, there's one quite famous film where there's a whole load of soldiers and Barney is every single one <laughs> of them. <laughs> I can't tell because he's such a brilliant voice artist. But yeah, anyway, I won't say what the film is. I don't want to spoil the magic. He's also in Dalek's Invasion of Earth 2150 AD as an embryo. <laughs> I don't think Barney was born in 1966. <laughs> Unfortunately, I was about five years old then. But anyway, <coughs> I wasn't even a twinkle in an eye. <sighs> so there we go. Sorry, yes. I interrupted you with with nonsense. No, no, I, th- I think I created the nonsense uh, at an opportunity. Uh, but yeah, so do keep the emails coming. But we do have a lot to get through here at Big Finish HQ. So we must crack on. Uh, but I would say, please do keep asking for us to do uh, your emails in different voices. You can ask. We may or may not do it, depending on how many times we've had to record the email, uh, the email, the podcast. <laughs> oh, dear. My brain is melting into something melty. Uh, anything you like, uh, we'll give it a go. We might even avoid an epic fail like I just did then. Hmm. We can always do an epic flail where we grab our arms and just <laughs> do that. <laughs> Uh, so, yes. Uh, also, um, we thought it was time to ask you about the podcast format. Do you like it the way it is? Should we change it? Should it be longer, shorter, wider, more yellowy green with spots? Maybe it smells <laughs> like custard. Maybe we all talk in Norwegian. Who knows? But seriously, uh, please let us know what you think about the podcast, and what you like and what you don't like and what you'd like to see and any funky ideas. But remember, these are your, yes, your emails. And that's it. (laughs) 
Time now for our podcast interview. Big Finish Doctor Who Short Trips producer Ian Atkins ventures to Bang Studios in Cardiff for the recording of a great new short trip entitled Erasure. It's by former Big Finish producer Gary Russell and stars Sean Carlson as the ever-popular Narvin. Ian chats to them both and there's some tantalising behind-the-scenes glimpses. I like the idea that that they're recording this interview live and they have to do it all over again as well. <laughs> and everybody has to sound just as interested. Go on, that we've heard that story before. No, we haven't. Just say it again. Uh, I was it was very uh, a surprise in the studio today. <laughs> You'll never it's see hugely, this one coming. <laughs> hugely surprising. Anyway, here it is. So. Uh, what we're going to do, you've got script of you, John, yes, So what I've done, John, is I've broken this down into little bite-sized chunks for Sean. Perfect. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to record each bite-sized chunk, mm-hmm. and then between me and Sean we will decide, you know, I'll decide that it's terrible and he's <coughs> redoing, um, he'll decide that it's brilliant and we'll argue the toss. Excellent. Mm-hmm. And that, that's how we'll go. That's so Sean, yeah. I'm thinking our first little section is the easiest one of the lot. Which is page two and page three, and we stop at the bottom of page three. Hi, I'm Ian Atkins. I'm the producer of the Short Trips range. Um, today we're in Cardiff at uh, Bang Studios, uh, recording the very last of the current run of Short Trips. And for this one, we've gone slightly off-piste, and we're um, we're playing with one of Big Finish's oldest toys in the in the Doctor Who toy box, um, and we've got two of. Uh, Old faces back for this. Could I ask you to introduce yourselves, please? Uh, Sean Carlson. Uh, and my name is Gary Russell. Hey. Okay. <laughs> that wasn't that exciting. <laughs> it is for me. <laughs> so, Gaffrey was one of the very first kind of. Spin offy things. Exactly. So, yeah. how did that come about? Um, well, the, the idea of Nick actually did the very first spin off, which of course was um, Dalek Empire. And we realised that it was quite easy to do these spin offs from the Doctor Who's we were doing. Um, I wanted to do something about Gallifrey. I'm passionately nerdy and, and incredibly um, obsessed, I think one could say, with, with Gallifrey and all things Gallifrey uh, since I was about, you know, I don't know 10. Um, so I'd always wanted to do something about Time Lords that didn't involve the Doctor. But I'd never really worked out how we were actually going to do it. I sort of fluctuated the idea of maybe we did an entire season of, or a box set or something. We didn't really do box sets in those, but a series of adventures with a doctor on Gallifrey and, and no, not going anywhere else. And I couldn't make that really work. And then we were doing Zagreus. And I hadn't realised that for whatever reason, um, Louise Jameson and Lala Ward had never met. They'd never done a convention or anything together. So they met for the first time recording their scenes on Zagreus and they hit it off. And at the end of whatever day it was of the 10 billion days that Zagreus took to record, Lala came up and she said, I think, as only Lala can, <laughs> she said, I think it would be a really good idea, open brackets, this is what you're going to do or I'm going to kill you, close brackets, um, if we could do something more with Romana and Leela. I think they're a really good team. And immediately, that was my Gallifrey. I thought, yes, that's how we do it. And so we had all the backstory from Apocalypse Element and everything that had been set up with Romana as the present and how that all came along. And so all these things fitted together. And I sat down with um, Alan Barnes 
and said, this is what I want to do. And he wrote the first one. Um, and there's this, this uh, sorry, Sean, I'm not giving you a chance to get what no, 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 it's, it's fascinating. Um, <laughs> but there's this, there's this marvellous history in, in Gallifrey stories. You, you have weedy, snidey little characters. So you've got like Castellan Kellner in, in Invasion of Time and, and things like that. And that unnamed Castellan in The Five Doctors and Ark of Infinity. Um, and Alan had created in, oh, oh she, no, I think, did Briggsy create Van Cell? I can't remember. One of them created Van Cell in an earlier story and he'd gone through quite a few of our stories. And we killed him off in Neverland. And we gave him uh, a really quite nice death. Poor old Tony Keach. He'd done all these things for us and then we killed him off. So when we came to do Gallifrey, we needed that that token character, that snidey, snivelling, officious... And and the thing about Vansell that works, rather than having him as a member of the High Council, having Vansell was a leader of the CIA, and the CIA, to my mind, is far more interesting than the High Council of Time Lords. Anyway, they're 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 the people you don't need to see. They're they're the White House chief of staff. You don't need to see them. What I want to do is the political interactions are kind of a West Wingy uh, kind of political motivations going around Gallifrey, and I would say that we wrote the part for Sean. Um, it, it, it was it was when Alan was coming up with with Narvin. I can't remember which of us came up with the name. I think that probably was um, Alan. It's one of those things that the name Narvin, Narvin. It's a real mm. kind of snidey <laughs> name, isn't it? It, it yeah. rolls off the. You know, the moment you see the word Narvin in the script, you know this guy's going to be a complete and utter nasty person. Um, and so what we did was we wanted to turn that on its head. And yes, he is very officious in those early stories and he is very everything by the book. But we knew right away that because we'd cast Sean in it, that this was going to develop. So I didn't want him to be, as, as I wouldn't hesitate to call um, Van Sell one note, but he's a cipher. And I wanted with Narvin for him not to be a cipher. And then as the years of Gallifrey went on, it became very clear that there's this burgeoning... Romance is the wrong word, but there's definitely an attraction between him and Leela. They they, <laughs> they they come from totally different worlds, but they're stuck on this same world. Mm. And they change each other. <clears throat> and, and she changes him for the better. And he teaches her. Romana has taught Leela an awful lot, I think. But Romana has taught Leela about interacting politically with the people on Gallifrey and more often than not interacting better with Narvin. But Narvin teaches her a little bit more of the day-to-day, ironically, humanity of being a Time Lord. And I thought that was quite a nice um, combination for those two characters. And that just developed as we went on. And that always, as with these things... Sorry, Sean, you'll get to say something in a minute. No, no. As with all of these <laughs> things, um, it comes out of watching actors together and over over the initial three and then the, the second three box sets that I did for Gallifrey just you know the whole thing is seeing how these people interact both in the booze and actually saying the lines but also sitting in the green room and you go you know what there's a fridge on there that that really works so that's where the Narvin and, and Leela relationship friendship whatever it was really came out but the bottom line is the whole of Gallifrey and the whole of everything about Gallifrey it's all Lala Ward's fault Mm. Yeah, I blame Lala. <coughs> sure, I'll get on to you on a second. But the one other question, though, is what made you cast Sean? I'd worked with him before. Um, I'd cast Sean 
on the basis of um, a tape he'd sent in to me at Big Finish, and he'd come in and done what was, without a doubt, the weirdest uh, Paul McGann recording session we'd ever done up in Bristol uh, for the Secret History of Fear. Um, that's what it's called, isn't it? The Natural History Natural History of Fear, <laughs> God. So long, it was so long ago, you see. Um, it's 2003. And I, oh, God, is it really? Yeah. Um, so we'd had a lot of actors in that, playing multiple parts, doing lots of different kind of vocal things, because Jim wrote this really out there, bizarre play um, that remained one of McGann's favourites at the time. Um, and I was impressed by him. I just liked him. I thought he was a good actor. I didn't think we gave him a particularly great part in, in Natural History. Um, but there was something there, so that when Narvin came along, it was literally a case of I want to write, I want to create this part for Sean because I know, partly because I knew he was a great actor, I also knew he was a fan, so I knew that he'd have an immediate understanding and an immediate um, instinctive awareness of how to say the words right. Because frequently you get actors in to do stuff for Big Finish, and you you'd be sitting there saying, "No, this is this is how you say Gallifrey, this is how you say Tardis, this is how you say Rassilon." So to have an actor who can come in and knows all these things um, is is fantastic. So that's why Sean was there. I've got to say, talking about that, I always remember we got Don Warrington in to play, which I don't think you ever met, did you? For, no. For Grace and a couple of stories before and after, where Don Warrington come in to play Rassilon. And I was expecting to have to do this kind of, it's Rassilon, it's Gallifrey, it's this, this. And Don Warrington knew the pronunciation <laughs> of every single technical Doctor Who word. And I remember being terribly impressed by that and thinking, wow. oh, sometimes you don't, you know, you don't have to assume that you're going to be teaching everyone anything. But in this man's case, it was it was just second nature. Oh. So, I mean, Sean, what are your memories of that time? And, and how has the character changed in, what, 14 years? Well, it, it, it was fascinating. It really was fascinating to listen to Gary talk then because there were things that I didn't know. I didn't know that it all came from Lala telling you to, <laughs> in no uncertain terms, to um, get her and, and Lou together. doesn't surprise me. Um, but... Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. It, it is a love. It's not that they're in love. It's not a romance. But there is that deep love, and it, and it grows very slowly. And that's what, one thing I, I... One of the many things I adore about Gallifrey is that because we've been allowed to do all these series, we've watched these characters grow and develop over a good period of time, and it's so good to, to, to get that. Um, there's, there's nothing rushed over it. It's a very, you know, wonderful, real development of those characters, and... Yeah, for all of them, and, and for me personally, for Narvin. So, for example, my take on it when I first read it was that he was the bad guy. That's I didn't know any different. I didn't know that they were going to turn it on its head at some point. I just kind of played it as I read it, that, okay, this guy is this. I know I've said it before at conventions, this intergalactic Peter Mandelson, this rather oily, um, slimy, devious character who's not to be trusted. Um, and I, I, I hope I didn't play him like some kind of panto villain but um but yeah i just sort of played what i read and it was lovely to see him change over time and very very slowly to see how, how his relationships with romana and, and leela um, develop over time i was just enormously grateful as gary said I, of course i'm a fan of the series and 
bear in mind, we did that one, Natural History of Fear, in 2003. Well, Big Finish had been going for a few years by that point, since 1999. And I was very much aware of Big Finish. They were on my radar because I'm a fan. So I, I used to buy Doctor Who magazine, and I remember being very excited and getting that free CD and thinking, well, I've got to write to these guys. And so I was probably one of the first people to send off a, a cassette, as it was in those days, to Big Finish. I heard nothing for about three years. And, you know, I was a little disgruntled, you know, that uh, my, my, you know, application had fallen on deaf ears. Unbeknown to me, Gary later said that they moved office or something. And you, you found a cassette sort of, you know, behind some paperwork and played it and cast me, which was wonderful. So I do remember when we went into Bristol to, to do that one, I was so excited. A, because, you know, I'm a massive Doctor Who fan. I actually loved Paul's Doctor in, in the TV movie. I really did. I love what, what he did in that. So I was really excited to be working with him. And to have Doctor Who on my CV was a big, big deal. I just remember thinking, I've got to absolutely work my socks off for these guys and, and hopefully do a good job in the hope that they'll use me again. So I gave it my best shot and, uh, and I'm very grateful that Gary did call me back. Cool. And India had a little part to play in that because I remember India Fisher very kindly saying to Gary, I just overheard her say, Sean's good, you should use him again. <laughs> and he just went, hmm. And I thought, oh, he's not, I thought, oh, he's not impressed. <laughs> there we are. There goes my one and only Doctor Who credit. <laughs> and um, I think both of you were saying earlier, I, I, I'm astonished by this, but Gary, you were saying you'd not directed a reading before. And, no, never. And of course, Sean, you'd not done something. Well, I say straight reading. I mean, it's, it's quite as I've tried to do with some of the short trips, that have it being more kind of performance stroke monologue sort of thing. But mm. how, how does it differ and is it harder, easier, and how's today been? Um, so. <coughs> you know, oh, okay, okay. Let's get you safe down here. I think the worst of the earthquake is over, so hopefully we'll be safe in the basement. Or maybe I should say cellar. Who knew the house of Hartshaven had such a well-stocked wine cellar? And unlike the rest of the house, well strengthened against tremors and other natural disasters. Clearly the family like to ensure their wine is always safe. Are you awake? You took quite a knock on the head up there. Well, I can still feel your pulse, that's something. I suppose it's, it's a little harder because the pressure's on you and you alone. So, um... You know, you've, you've got to kind of, you know, deliver. And, y you know, you obviously, I, I, I love the Gallifrey team, the Gallifrey gang, and, and uh, I love to be in the studio with, with Lou and, and Lalo and Miles and all the guest actors, whoever's with us at the time. And John, of course, when, when he's been with us. Um, but I've really, really enjoyed today. It's been fantastic. It's, it's an interesting experience for me to play Narvin on my own and just tell a story, just to narrate a, a story. Um, but I suppose it's, from an acting point of view, it's not so different, other than that, you know, you're not kind of, you know, bouncing off other actors, um, you know, it's a monologue. So. Actually, to go to Gary, but to modify it slightly, because you've done what I've been wanting to do ever since I sort of got in charge of the range, which was to have a writer-director. Does that make it easier or harder? I don't know, because I'm such an egomaniac that, that frankly, if you said I wasn't going to direct it, um, you would have been in extreme pain and, so, and, yeah. and, and, you know, um, you'd, you'd, been getting, you told me that now. you'd have been getting the same looks that, that I was getting off Lala when she was saying, you're going to create a series for me and Lou. Um, yes, I, for me, writing it, I, 
I had to envisage myself directing it. I'm writing it for Sean. So there was nothing, I, I wasn't going to put anything into it that I thought, well, Sean won't, won't be able to do that. I don't mean from a, an, an acting point of view or a technical point of view, but just that instinctive being aware of Narvin and being aware of Sean and where those two meet in the middle. I wanted to make sure that uh, I was delivering something that would do that. So in my head, it was like, well, I, I kind of, I want to direct this because I know how to steer it if it needs steering, as it turned out. Of course, it virtually never needed any steering because, uh, you know, the man's a genius. Yeah. Um, but yeah, writing and directing, to me, it's it's an obvious thing and it's it's an ego thing. It's a selfish thing that I spent my eight years at Big Finish making sure I directed probably 80% of everything Doctor Who-wise that the company put out. Because when you work on a script, when you're taking other people's scripts, because I never wrote anything properly when I was at Big Finish, but of course I was rewriting and tweaking and adapting everyone else's scripts to, to, to make them audio or whatever you needed to do with them. So you felt a proprietary ship towards something. Um, so you wanted to direct it. There very, very few things I didn't want to take into studio. And it was the same with this. I wanted, absolutely, sorry, Lisa, um, but I really wanted to take this and, and do this one myself. Um, and so I did. Ha-ha! And I, I've got to say, I am just delighted that, that Gary did this. It uh, really means a lot. Because you said earlier, it's been five years since we worked together mm. um, when we did that last Gallifrey. I didn't realise it had been that long. And I, I didn't think I'd get the chance to work with with Gary again, certainly not on something Doctor Who related. Um, I think you and I had a chat, didn't we, at the, yeah. the Big Finish Christmas party, and that's when you first mentioned this. Yeah. Uh, and I said, oh, God, wouldn't it be great if, if Gary would would um, write that? Come and, and out of retirement. But, <laughs> but, you, but you, you, you'd already had exactly the same thought, so we both, both basically, at the Big Finish yeah. party, both well, It was very much We've wanting it Gary. to be part of the Gallifrey universe. And then talking yeah. to Scott Hancock, it was sort of, I knew he had things underway and that he really needed to be aware of this and on board. And he said, you need to ask Gary. And mm. I think it was one email and Gary thankfully came back and said yes. And it was, it was off, so. nice as well for to do, to do two Narvins because mm, you have modern Narvin yeah. topping and tailing it. Mm. And then the story he tells is this kind of, uh, junior version of Narvin, mm. fresh behind the ears, um, without the experience that, that the Narvin we know and love has got. It was taking you back to that very first season of Narvin, yeah. you know, and, and, and trying to recapture. <coughs> well, I mean, actually, this Narvin's even, you know, probably in Time Lord terms, decades before that. Mm. But getting that sensibility back into him. Um, yeah. And also a sense of wonderment, you know. Mm. I, I was very keen to do a story where. Narvin is, is, is a typical Time Lord. He's, he's, he's to use a pun, cloistered on, on Gallifrey. Mm. So to take him to an alien planet, to take him to a spaceship and go, there's a bigger world out there. And, and these things in his head about realising, you know, at one point he, he talks about colour, the, the colour of the Doctor's costume, and it hits him for the first time ever. Mm. Oh, my God, colour, a colour of, a, of, a, of, of clothing isn't just something unique to Gallifrey. It's something... Other people have coloured clothes. And all these things that when you've been a Time Lord and you're just that completely insular society, to break out of that is, is quite nice and exciting. Mm. Well, I, I wish I could sort of stake a claim on that kind of thinking for short trips range. And it's not. I think all 
storytelling has that but I think with the short trips getting to someone's head it, it really enables you to do that very strongly so and yeah it's wonderful the notes you're bringing out in that Sean it's um, yeah and uh, well you, but you, you did direct it I mean you know what we did this morning um, you know I didn't just kind of r- rattle it off and uh, it, it was just so nice to you know we're picking up five years later and it feels like only yesterday that we were doing Gallifrey because we're just straight back into it. I guess, you know, we know each other so well and work together so well. Um, and every note that you gave me, you know, makes perfect sense. And I think, of course, you know, how did I miss that? You know, it, you, you, you know you're only as good as the script and the director that's bringing out the best in you. So, you know, it's lovely to be back here with you. And Sean's a very easy person to direct because all you have to do is swear at him. <laughs> um, and immediately, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're back on... on on task. Oh yeah. Like, oh yeah. Oh, I've sworn at Sean right now. I know everything's going to fall into place quite easily. St- still gives me that withering look, and I think, what have, what have I done? <laughs> oh. I don't know, people oh, say God. I have this withering look. I don't have a withering look. I have a, I have a loving look. I, I, I benevolently gaze <laughs> upon people and go, that was magnificent. It's, it's the last thing you want is to be doing Gallifrey and get a withering look from Gary and Lala. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've had plenty of them. I've had quite a few of those repairs as well. I don't think I've ever dared give Lala a withering. Oh, I might have given her a withering look and got one in return with the kind of what was that for god lover upon which withering notes we will go back to the studio but gary and sean thank you so much for your time on not only this podcast but actually in the work you've done today well thank you for for giving us the chance to do it it's been brilliant it has it's been brilliant and just fyi i came up with uh vancell i think i originally called him something a bit daft like arbuthnot and Gary said, love the character, love the character, change the name. So I called him Vansell um, because, uh, how did I do it? it was, I'd worked with a, uh, a, an eccentric producer, shall we say. Uh, and, and I took his name and I added L to the end, E-double-L. And it became uh, such creativity, I know we're all bowled over. Anyway. <clears throat> well, there we go. So some people spend their lives searching for the fountain of youth. Nicholas Briggs there has figured it out. All you do is add an L and you will be immortalised forever. So don't don't worry about treading the death zone in Gallifrey for a sneaky uh, chance of immortality because it's not worth it. Um, yes, so the March of Time is marching indeed all over us, uh, Nick. So it's time now for the Randomoid Selectatron. Cue that epic music. Now what should we do? Should we do... A new random thing, or should we actually do the one that we randomly selected last time? I think it's only fair to do the one we did last time. Yeah, yeah, that's, that, does, that does make sense, yeah. doesn't it? So, Ran, last time, in the first take of this podcast, Ran selected the Time Museum, was the it Time called? Time Museum, yeah. The, 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 by um, James Goss, directed by Lisa Bauman, starring William Russell, whose real name's Russell Enoch, um, William Russell as Ian Chesterton. Marvellous story. Here's the trailer. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. Doctor Who. The Companion Chronicles. The Time Museum. Please, we have to hurry. We've run out of time. They've come for us. Let me get my bearings, man. I've only just woken up. In my bedroom. Which is through that door. The Time Museum. Temporal travellers, vortex voyagers, courageous chrononauts. 
gathered here are heroes who have wiped the dust of ages from their feet. Barbara. Barbara was a maths teacher. Susan. That was it. Susan. Good, good. I'm so pleased. It's an accurate recreation, faithful to your memories. Now, stay close to me. Just a minute. One last question. Can you get me home? You, I remember you said you'd heard this one and enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. I, I heard this one probably when it came out, I expect. Mm. It's, it's good. And the thing is, I, what I love about these particular ones and, and these stories like this in general is I love it when characters especially characters have moved on and we see them in a, at a time where you know they can reflect back upon what happened and this one you've got uh, Ian Chesterton who's a bit older and um oh I just heard a twinkling which means somebody is outside my house but uh, should you go and let them in no um no, <laughs> keys I expect um yeah so this one's quite nice and, and so you get that sort of level of uh the word a gap between so it's a retrospective look almost of yeah the and, and the interesting thing Chesterman. Chesterfield chair <laughs> they um, they were able to use a, a, a current picture of William Russell on the front you know more as he is now uh, lovely man I, I was watching last night as as I of course told you last time I was watching the uh, the doctors um, a DVD from real-time pictures which is an, uh, an amalgamation of all the myth makers interviews we shot with people from the William Hartnell era and there's a tribute to William Hartnell on it which is rather good um, but also of course there's a William Russell myth makers and we did that we met uh, at Trafalgar Square and got on a bus that Keith Barnfather of real-time pictures had hired and we went round London to sort of Doctor Who locations including Riverside Studios which was still standing then uh, and did the interview along the way and had a lovely lovely time with him yeah I particularly like he talked about the great escape you know the big Hollywood blockbuster that he was in, that Hollywood blockbuster that gets shown every Christmas. That's the cliche, isn't it, on British television? It's always, and even though I know he's in it, it's always a great surprise when, when you suddenly yeah. you see him with his pipe. You think, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he was, and it was fantastic to hear him talk about all those famous actors who he'd spent so much time with. Yeah, he he made an observation. He said the American actors were better. He said, and they 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 were in character the whole time. He says, well, the British actors, you know, sort of pride themselves on kind of not really paying too much attention, you know, and kind of going, oh, just darling, it's just acting, you know, as the Americans were in the moment the whole time. Anyway, lovely guy. It's a great release. Uh, a fantastic recommendation from Ran for the second time. Yeah, well done, <laughs> Not that Ran. you heard the first one. Oh, that's only in our heads. We could just be making this up. This could just be some appalling, backfiring joke. Um, <laughs> this isn't the second. We could pretend every week. So, this week, uh, we've recorded the podcast 20 times, and this is the 21st time, and we might get it right. And every time, Ran comes up with the same thing, because he knows as well. <laughs> he knows, you know. But there we go. So cheers, Ran, for uh, for always uh, being a bit of a rock star. And so, as the podcast flies off into the distance like a squawking parakeet heading off to spend the day silently contemplating its life in a big old beech tree, it is time now for Nick to tell us what's out now for you to listen to from Big Finish Productions. Lots, naturally. Last week's podcast might be worth catching up with. It's worth it just to hear our intrepid Trevor interviewer, uh, Karen, a little joke from last week's podcast, Karen Parks' reaction to Nigel Planer saying, what, you mean porn? 
when she asked about his guilty secret. <laughs> she was appalled. Uh, also, The Ingenious Gentleman Adric of Alzarius is a highly recommended short trip reading by Matthew Waterhouse. We teased 15 minutes of it last week, so if you missed that, pop back into the podcast range and have a listen to that. It'll be available on your Big Finish app. The Middle is out. Yeah, not not the top or the bottom. The Middle, a fantastic sixth, sixth Doctor. I'm having trouble speaking, it has to be said. A fantastic Sixth Doctor adventure with Flip and Constance with guest star Mark Heap, one of my favourite actors. I'm so sorry I wasn't there at the studio, but I did meet him when I did a, a Neil Gaiman thing for Radio 4. He was in that. Brilliant. Uh, it's beyond exciting, The Middle. Got a 10 out of 10 review from Blog to Who. Good old blotter who we love him. Oh, and uh, Indie Mac user said it was marvellous too. Then there's The Morton Legacy, uh, an early adventure which we're 15 minute teasing you with any minute now. And by the time you hear this, who knows, the second volume of The Tenth Doctor may well be out. David Tennant and Billy Piper return. It's very exciting indeed. Lots going on. Thanks for that one, Nick. And coming up any moment now, that 15-minute drama tease of The Morton Legacy. And following that, the first slice of a brilliant behind-the-scenes look at our Dark Shadows range. But before all that, let's do a trailer for this podcast. And we should remember what's in it since we've done it twice now. Yes, I suppose we should, shouldn't we, really? Yes, so without further ado then, let's let's keep a rocking. So we have got lots on this podcast. We have got... In the podcast that time remembered. <laughs> the podcast that time remembered twice, no less. Uh, yes, we have uh, great stuff. Narvin, uh, Sean Carlson uh, and Gary Russell there talking short trips. And a 15-minute drama tease of the Morton Legacy, an early adventure for the Doctor. We have the Dark Shadows boys, Darlington and Lidster, talking about about uh, uh, talking to the cast about the series. And of course, all your listeners' emails and fantastic Big Finish news. What what else could there possibly be? Randomoid Selectatron? Yeah, Rand's always a rockin'. Uh, we've got uh, Fifth Doctor news as well. Lots to be lots to be said. Lots, lots Torchwood stuff as well. It's crazy. This podcast is like a great big sandwich filled through, full of exciting things with two bits of bread at either side. And that's us, Nick and Benji. We're the bits of bread. We are indeed. That's what I say. The best of both. This has been a terrible trailer for a really rather good podcast. Big finish. We love stories. I think that'll do, won't it? I think that'll do, yeah. Rock and roll. Yeah, and there you have it. Fad dabby dozy. Time now for the second Doctor to travel back in time. It's the Morton Legacy. Returning home late from his club, Alfred Bastian was not a happy man. Complete waste of time. Is that you, dear? Uh, hello, darling. I was just going to bed. How did it go? Go? It didn't go. 
What do you mean? Gratted man never turned up. Over an hour I waited for him. But your club's comfortable enough. Hardly the point. Let me take your coat. Thank you. Then, just to round it off, I got bitten by some insect as I was leaving the club. It itched all the way home. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. You go up to bed. I'll join you shortly. Just need to check a few things. Oh, can't they wait until the morning? I'd like to sort it now, if I can. I think I may have found a precedent that will sort out that charlatan Josiah Morton at last. Serve him right, too. Alone in his study, Bastian locked the door and set to work. Now then, where's my copy of... Wilkins and Cox. As he looked along his bookshelves, Bastian caught a glimpse of something out of the corner of his eye. Who's there? Come on out, I saw you. It's no use hiding, you know. As he watched, the shadows in the corner of the room seemed to darken and coalesce into what looked like a figure. Bastian backed away in sudden terror. No. No! The shape lurched towards him, a strange, shambling thing, long, talon-like claws reaching out towards him. <laughs> what in the name of heaven are you? No! Keep away from me! Get back! Keep away! No! Hearing her husband scream, Mrs. Bastian called the servants for help. When they broke down the locked door, Alfred Bastian was the only person they found in the study. And he was quite dead. Doctor? Ah, see for yourself. There, on the scanner. What do you think, Ben? It certainly looks like London. I wouldn't say the streets are paved with gold, exactly. Oh, it could be anywhere. It's just a load of buildings. It could be the 60s, I suppose. <laughs> home. Your home, maybe. Oh, you know what he means, Jamie. This is your home now, the TARDIS. Now, now, Jamie. However much fun we've had, I'm sure Ben and Polly would be glad to be back in their own time and place. Assuming it is our own time and place. Oh, come on, Paul. Look at it. You can see that's London. It's only a question of the year, ain't it? I suppose so. I'm just being cautious. I don't want to be disappointed. Well, it's easy enough to find out for sure. Let's go and see. Yes, we'll never find out unless we go and take a look. Will we? There, you see. It even smells like London. It doesn't smell quite like I remember, Doctor. What? Oh, nonsense. London, 1960s, without a doubt. I'm not sure. I know what Ben means. I'll feel happier when I see something I actually recognise. You could find a street like this in any city. Hey, maybe it's Scotland. We could be in Edinburgh. Maybe even Glasgow. We need to make certain. Come on, Duchess. This street must lead somewhere. Let's find out where. If we find a branch of Woolworths and a policeman doing his rounds, I'll relax. <laughs> and buy some shoes, probably. <laughs> That's enough out of you, Mr Jackson. Uh, <clears throat> would you settle for Westminster Bridge and the Houses of Parliament? How about Tower Bridge and a uh, bright red bus? Or maybe we'll find the Tower of London. Mm. 
It was a long walk, but the side street where the TARDIS had materialised led to a busy main road. Although, to their disappointment, it was not filled with the bustling traffic of the 1960s. Well, Doctor, it's certainly London, but I don't think we'll be seeing that bus. Uh, yes, sir. Thank you, Ben. It does seem I may have been a little premature in my judgment. You were close, though. Yes, so close, yet so far. I don't understand. If this is London... It's the wrong time, Jamie. Less 1960s, more 1860s. Oh, I see. I'm sorry, Paul. For a bit there, I really did think we was home. And we are, I suppose, in a way. Just not the way we wanted. I shall have to recalibrate that geometer. Well, I suppose it's a good opportunity to see how people lived here back in the day. A living history. But we see that all the time. Not in our own town, though. It's always other people's. This is a chance to see our own past. Yeah, I suppose. When you put it like that, it does sound appealing. Oh, yes, it's a nice idea, but... As we are just a hundred years out, more or less, I, I think it might be more fruitful to return to the TARDIS. Fruitful? How do you mean, Doctor? You mean, you think you can just move us on a hundred years? Uh, well, I <clears throat> I can't make any promises, but I, I should be able to set the controls to move the TARDIS forward in time, but without moving through space. Oh, so you really could get us home? Uh, possibly. As I said, I, I, I can't promise anything. I see. You seem quite keen on the idea a few minutes ago. Yes, but there's a difference between going home by accident and deliberately deciding to. Oh, make your mind up. No, I get a drift. It's a big decision to make. Well, it's, it's, it's not a decision you need to make right away, but it's one you won't be able to make at all unless we leave soon, and before the ship's time calibrators reset. Well, it's got to be worth a go, hasn't it, Paul? Yes. Yes, of course it has. I suppose so. Back to the TARDIS, then. But back in the side street where the TARDIS had materialised, an unpleasant surprise awaited the travellers. But it was here! We've only been gone, what, 20 minutes? Half hour at most. The TARDIS couldn't have left on its own, could it, Doctor? On some sort of automatic pilot or something? No, 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 no. That's quite impossible. And I'm sure I didn't set the hats. What? I reckon someone must have taken it. That's the only explanation. Yeah, but who? And why? I mean, they couldn't have known what it was. Unless maybe they saw us arrive. Hey, look. There's a man over there. He might have seen something. I reckon you'll tell me. Cockneys always help each other out. Yes, it's certainly worth asking, Ben. Uh, Jamie, wait here with Polly. We'll be back in a minute. All right. While the Doctor and Ben spoke to the man they'd seen sitting in a doorway, Jamie and Polly examined the ground where the TARDIS had been just minutes earlier. Those look like footprints. Maybe I could track whoever took it. I've hunted red coats in my time. It'll be rather heavy to carry away. No, look! Here in the mud. Wheel marks. Aye. Someone's loaded the TARDIS onto a cart. Doctor! We think the TARDIS was carted away. Yes, and you're absolutely right. That, that gentleman over there saw the whole thing. Hey, what did I tell you? Does he know where it was headed? Oh, afraid not. But he did recognise the driver, bloke by the name of Harry Robertson, apparently. Yes, and it seems that Mr Robertson hires out his cart and his services from a yard in Brett Street. Do you reckon that's where he's taking the TARDIS? I, I don't know, Jamie, but it would seem the best place to start looking. It ain't far. The man told us how to get there. Well, Jamie... Looks like we'll get to explore some of Victorian London after all. The 
It was a good brisk walk to Robertson's yard. Several horses were tied up to a rail, eating from a trough, while a young lad kept an eye on them. The lad pointed out Harry Robertson. Ah, Mr. Robertson, I wonder if you could help me. I I'm looking for a, a large blue box. I, I understand you transported it somewhere on one of your carts. I might have done. So what's your interest in it, if I have? Well, it happens to be my property, and I'm rather keen to recover it. Oh, well, you'll have to talk to Mr. Morton about that. Mr. Morton? Mr. Josiah Morton. Who's he when he's at home? Please, we just want to get the TARDIS back. The what? Uh, our blue box. We just want it back. Anything you could tell us would be really helpful. Yes, and it is ours. So I'm, I'm sure you'd rather we didn't complicate matters by having to involve the authorities. No, no, uh, no, no, of course not. I was just doing the job. I, I didn't know it'd be any problem. Then I'm sure we can resolve this with a minimum of fuss. Who's Josiah Morton? I do jobs for him now and again. He happened to see me with my cart on Arkington Street and asked me to move that blue box. I thought it was his. I mean, he collects all manner of strange things. Strange things is right. So where did you take it? To the museum. Museum? What museum? Uh, come on, we need more information than that. Well, as I said, Mr Morton's a collector. He collects anything, antiques, curios, all sorts. Keeps them in his private museum. But this museum's actually a part of his house. A private museum? It's all right for some. And that is where you took our blue box, I take it? That's right. I imagine he's going to put it on display. Not that the museum's open at the moment, of course. Can you tell us where Mr Morton lives? I suppose there's no harm in that. I imagine most people know already. Following Robertson's directions, the Doctor and his friends found themselves at a set of imposing gates. The gates were standing open, and beyond them, a tree-lined driveway stretched into the distance. I reckon this must be the place. Yes, just as Mr Robertson described. So what do we do? I mean, a house this size is bound to be someone important. You don't just barge in to see the laird. Oh, nonsense. We go and ask for the TARDIS back, of course. We shouldn't be afraid of him just because he's got a big driveway. No, actually, Polly, I... I think we should try a, a slightly more subtle approach. Even if it's our property? Uh, yes, but we, we don't know anything about this uh, Josiah Morton. If he realises how important the TARDIS is, there's no knowing how he might react. Oh, he just thinks it's some strange box with police written on it. Yeah, but even so, the Doctor's probably right. We don't want him to realise it's valuable to us. So, as I've just said, what do we do? Well, we... Uh, we persuade him to let us look around this museum of his, and if the TARDIS is there... We just get inside and leave? Yes. Yes. That's exactly what we do. Well, I suppose that does all sound easy enough. Simplicity itself. <clears throat> Come along, then. You say it sounds easy. Yeah, but going from past experience, it probably won't be. Though we can hope. I suppose there's a fast time for everything. In answer to the bell, the front door was opened by a tall, thin man. Can I help you? We've come to see the museum, uh, apparently. The museum, sir? Uh, yes, uh, that, that's right. Uh, we have come to see Mr Morton's museum. Uh, we've heard it has quite the reputation. Yeah, it's in all the guidebooks. Is it indeed, sir? Well, I'm afraid that the museum is currently closed. Closed? Oh, when will it be open again? Perhaps never. Now, if you will excuse me. 
He was about to close the door again when another man called from inside the house. Blazard? Blazard, who is it? People wishing to visit the museum, sir. Ah, Mr. Morton, I presume? That's correct. Thank you, Blazard. I can deal with this. Of course, sir. We were just wondering if we could have a quick look round. Yeah, we've come a long way. Aye, we real like museums, you see. Oh, yes. The Natural History Museum, the British Museum, the V and... Well, maybe not that one. Yes, well, sadly, I'm afraid my museum is closed for the duration. Oh, we won't stay long. Even so, I'm sorry. Uh, excuse me, Mr Morton, but isn't that a Sevres porcelain clock on your whole table? Why, yes, yes it is. Hand-painted... And with a case by P.H. Morey, unless I'm very much mistaken. You're an expert in antique clocks. Oh, I'm an expert in just about everything. I, I imagine you must have a most fascinating collection. Uh, what a, a shame we, we can't see it. And uh, <clears throat> after coming so far as well. Well, I suppose, why not? Legally, the museum cannot accept visitors. But if you were to take a look round as my guests... Uh, would that be possible? We really would be very grateful. Well, come through to the drawing room and we can get better acquainted. Thanks, mate. You're very kind. Aye, it's good of you. Not at all. Blazard, would you arrange some tea and ask Miss Jemima to join us, would you? Of course, sir. Josiah Morton led them through to a large drawing room, where Blazard soon appeared with the tea. The doctor had just introduced everyone when a young woman joined them. You wanted me, Father? Oh, Jemima, yes, indeed. We have guests. This is my daughter, Jemima. Hello, Jemima. How do you do? Delighted to meet you. Uh, uh, hello. This is the doctor and his friends. How do you do? I'm Polly. Ben Jackson. And this is Jamie. Uh, uh, James Robert McCrimmon. Uh, I'm pleased to meet you, miss. All right, don't pull her hand off. Um... May I ask why the museum is closed, Mr Morton? You, you implied there was some sort of a, a legal reason for it. I'm Tony Peterson, private detective. I'm no ordinary private eye. I specialize in cases involving the supernatural and the unknown. Noises in the night? Shapes in the darkness? Give me a call. I'm the man for the job. Uh, excuse me? Oh, yeah, this is Cassandra. She's my, um, Partner? My assistant. Mm. Classy-looking dame, ain't she? But there's something you should know. Cassandra is a witch. I certainly put a spell on you. <laughs> in more ways than one. Have you got a ghost in your attic? Or a vampire in your office? Then give us a call. The Private Eye and the Witch. When we get together, it's magic. Jerry Lacey and Laura Parker are back as their characters from ABC's popular daytime series, Dark Shadows. Coming soon, the Tony and Cassandra Mysteries. Hello, um, I'm David Darlington and I'm one of the producers of Dark Shadows. I'm Alan Flanagan and I am a script editor and commissioning person for this. And I'm Joe Lidster and I am one of the producers and also one of the directors. David, I want to ask you first. Help me. What was the first thing that caused this Tony and Cassandra box set to happen? It was Jerry Lacey's fault. Um, we went to the uh, Dark Shadows Festival in Tarrytown, New York about almost a year ago. One of the people we met, of course, was Jerry Lacey, who was getting a lot of people coming up queuing and asking him, um, why aren't they making any more Tony and Cassandra? Because, you know, we had been and then we stopped. At that point, every time someone went up and asked Jerry this question, he would just point over at me and say, go and ask that guy. Tony and Cassandra sort of took me by surprise because it's the least Dark Shadows thing 
the stories are the least dark shadows that we do because they're not set at Collinwood. They tend not to be gothic, romantic stuff. They tend to be slightly funnier. You know, they're very sort of uh, bang bang dialogue and, and they're great. Well, Cassandra, as a great man once said, here's another fine mess you've gotten me into. Me? You were the one who decided to play the White Knight. Not that I needed rescuing. Oh, no, no, no. You were doing just fine. And the bracelet of Naraka? I had it. It was right there. I could have reached out. I, I could have... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't tell me. That's when they caught you, hmm? That's when they caught me. Like I said, another fine mess. May I remind you, Tony, that you also got caught. And if we're going to spend the rest of our unnatural lives in this cell, I'd rather not listen to it. I told you so on an infinite loop. Very well. How about a story? Something to pass the time. I'm all out of anecdotes. Well, I doubt that. The only thing I was sort of didn't want to do was undo the ending of the Devil Cat. Um, because that sets up where Cassandra is in yeah. of despair and everything and also would take away from the ending of it. So we had to find a gap just where to put them. There's quite a distinctive change in their relationship if you're looking out for it between the last stop and the Phantom Bride mm. because up until then, it's up until the Phantom Bride, it's one of them calling the other one for help or bumping into each other and that kind of thing. By the Phantom Bride, they're sort of working as a as a team. We start with them actually working as a team. And so it was just a case of going through them and looking for things and finding things like the voodoo amulet mentions a secretary called Rita, who we never then never <laughs> mentioned again. So, who was that who took my call when I phoned your office? Mm, uh, Rita, my secretary. She seemed awfully familiar for an employee. She called you Tony. I would expect Mr. Peterson to be more appropriate. So it was like, great, we can have Rita in it and we can, you know, explore how they went from being people who called each other for help to actually working together and, and solving mysteries. My name is Tony Peterson. I'm a private investigator. Yeah, I know, I know. You think you've heard it all before. Well, trust me, you haven't. I don't look for cheating spouses or investigate insurance fraud. As the sign on the door says, I specialize in the unusual. Why? Because of a dame, of course. A beautiful but deadly witch, and I mean that literally. At what stage did Mr. Alan Flanagan come into the picture? Basically, I, as I still am, was working on Bloodline, and we'd already been, we were already doing the short story co co collections, or they, they came around the same time, yeah. and we knew I could just physically couldn't do the short story collections and the Tony and Cassandra mysteries. I think pretty much uh, was the first yeah, big was, decision we made was, was I early. gave Alan a shout and said, would you script edit, uh, you know, there was a couple of things where I think I said, I wanted you to use Philip Meeks. I can't yeah. remember if I said Darren. Yeah, yeah, because you approached me, so I, I uh, Philip, and Philip Aaron we'd been working with loads lately because of Bloodline, and Philip, um, you, you recommended him, said he was brilliant, and then um, I'd worked with Zara Simes before, who's fantastic and has done really, horrifying story <laughs> um, so I found her and then we kind of just kicked off with this yeah hello my name is Aaron Lamont and I am a writer apparently and what have you written for this recording session so I wrote the last script which is the mystery of Carmina Sonata uh, uh, Carmina uh, perhaps you could enlighten us on uh... who exactly you are for a start you haven't heard of me should we have Carmina Sonata the Carmina Sonata. 
Medium to the rich and famous. It's bringing up baby, that's what they are. It's Catherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy. It's, you know, Clark Gay, but it's, what's the, what's it called? It's, it's been the screwball comedy, yeah. Another day, another case. That's the life of a private investigator, once they know the ropes. Cases come and cases go, and if you're lucky, they don't affect you personally. But not all cases are like that. So, uh, sorry, Tony. Uh, do you mind? Be my guest. So Alan was the commissioning script editor and writing one of them as well, but he was sort of overseeing underneath Joe and David, but it was kind of Alan's baby to a degree. Yeah, it was they, they It was very, very much Alan's, and it fits Alan perfectly as well because it's, it's quite fun and snappy and... Yeah, it was, it, it was the perfect project for him to be working on. I wouldn't necessarily say it was the perfect project for me, considering the stuff that I'd written before yes. to be on. You've been usually you're in the darker shadows of the dark shadows. Yes, I do. I do the darkest of the darkest shadows, apart from the darkest shadows, because I didn't do the darkest shadow. Phil's was the first one and mine was the last one and the idea was that there was a progression between all four of them so that they started off and they were very confrontational and by the end they're in full-blown like I mean this is what we do mode so they're comfortable with each other and not fighting as much uh, so I got lots of notes saying make them less argumentative and I think Phil got more notes saying make them a bit more argumentative but they, there's still a spark between them and yeah you're right I mean I, I was drafted in to do a dark script. <laughs> That's not what I delivered. That's <laughs> really not what I delivered. I, I went bonkers. Hopefully, hopefully funny. It's the first time I've done something comedic. So it's hope. it hopefully comes across. I'll just cross my fingers on that. My name is Zara Symes. Why are you here today? I'm responsible for having written one of the episodes. Which one? Uh, the Dance Macabre. The Mystery of the Dance Macabre. <laughs> say the whole, the whole title. Ladies and gentlemen of Boston, I give you the comedy stylings of Mr. Tony Peterson. <laughs> yeah, wait till you hear my Salem material. You planning on visiting the relatives while we're nearby? <laughs> Hilarious. Who brought you in in the first place then? Uh, a gentleman called Alan Flanagan, who is um, a terrible uh, influence on me in, on, in multiple ways, but really came good for me on this one. Uh, so we met through a mutual friend a couple of years ago and had random writer coffees where we'd sit with our laptops and not talk to each other while drinking one cup of coffee very slowly so that it let us stay as long as possible. And then over the years, we just, well, we're just friends now. And uh, last year, we did a play up in Edinburgh for the Fringe Festival called Everyone's Dead, the post-apocalyptic podcast, <laughs> um, which is a two-hander written by Alan, which it, I loved it. It was so funny, so good. And was he in it with you? He was in it with me, yeah. So he played an Irishman and I played an Australian, so it was a real stretch for both of us. Uh, so yeah, the conversation happened quite organically where he was like, oh, I'm putting together a series for Dark Shadows with, with Joe and, and the rest of the team. You should pitch an idea for it. So I did. He looked at it and was like, okay, this is good. How steered, but you just Tony and Cassandra explained it to you? and mm -hmm. give us an idea of you, this is what we're looking for? Or? Yeah, not really. They didn't really give me too many guidelines. Basically, the only thing they did say was that this will be their second, or their first official case that they're doing together. There's the, the founding episode where they meet again after so many years, and then my episode is the one where they actually get their first case, which was a really helpful note because there's so much you can do with that. There's so many conflicts that you can have when two people start working together for the first time, especially ones with such massive personalities as, as, as um, Tony and Cassandra have. In all seriousness, Tony, when are we actually going to start solving cases? Yeah, be careful what you wish for. 
The less trouble in our lives, the better. Mm, the fewer paychecks, too. Can't we take one of the cases I suggested? Oh, those weren't cases. Those are hornet's nests your witchy friends kicked. You just don't want to do anything, I suggest. This little duet of ours isn't going to work unless we're real partners. I got a lot of notes from Alan where he just said in capital letters, no, <laughs> after, after something I'd done that was a bit too visual. So it was, for me, because I hadn't actually written a radio thing before, it was actually quite a, a new process to learn um, that you don't get scene descriptions per se and you don't get visual cues. You have to go on what can be heard. But that, once I got used to it, was actually great because it opened up a whole new way of writing it you know you had to start thinking well what makes noise what atmospherics can I put in so in my episode there's floorboards and chandeliers and all those sort of things crashing and burning and exploding Wait, the chandelier get back get back ah! oh, oh look out what? Oh. 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 you've been listening to a big finish production